Welcome to another edition of Real Talk with Chris and Ross, episode number 15. We're excited to have this podcast. Um, for those who don't know, if this is your first time on listening to us, Ross and Chris here with EXP Team Freedom. Uh, we're super excited to combine together. We have almost 30 years in the real estate industry. Uh, we're excited this podcast is designed ultimately for real estate people because we both are realtors. Um, but we like to target our audience to anybody that honestly has an entrepreneur bone in their body, right? Somebody who wants to think forward, um, big visionary, because you know Ross and I both think that way. Ross is out in Michigan. I'm out in California. Um, so we're excited to our Real Talk with Chris and Ross, episode number 15. Thanks for joining us. What's up, Ross, my friend? How are you today? Hey, man. You know, I'm doing incredible. Uh, the sun's out here. So, you know, that's always a good thing up here in Michigan. Um, and, uh, you know, the market's kind of picking up as well and uh, feeling pretty good. What about you, man? How are you? Same here. You know, the reality, though, the sun out in the wintertime in California sometimes is deceiving. The sun's out, but it's still like 38 degrees. So you go out. It's But, I mean, nonetheless, we've had, obviously, a big spell of rain. Um, yeah. More than we've had in probably two decades. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Now, definitely good you, for that. Do you get a lot of snow where you're at? Or no? Uh, is that more north? It's more up north. Yeah, like so Tahoe area. I mean, if I okay. go where I'm at, I mean, we're in the foothills. I live in Auburn specifically, if you want to get real technical. Um, okay. Auburn's in the foothills, kind of by Meadow Vista and stuff like that, which is right outside of Sacramento and Roseville. Okay. Heading okay. up Highway 80, going towards Tahoe and Truckee. So, yeah, I mean, it, it does. But it, it was we were having this conversation the other day that um, it's been colder than usual. It really has yeah. been this cold. I mean, we go out, it's like 28 degrees for us, which – for us, that's cold. I know Michigan, you guys are like negative six kind of stuff, but yeah, for that's sure. normal for you guys, right? Yeah, but when you're used to 70 and 80 and all that other stuff, it goes down to below 50, man. You're feeling it, right? Oh, right, right. I like it. And you guys still haven't got any snow out there yet, right? Like you're we mentioning. Did. We, we, oh. we did. At, it, we started to pick up. Yeah. We're, we're, we're at the ski hill now. We're good to go. Yeah. Late, Living late in Michigan late. makes sense again. <laughs> <laughs> like, where am I at right now? Hey, I feel like across the board. Everywhere is having some challenges and changes in the tem in the demographic of, of rain and and their their weather yeah. patterns like Hawaii everything so whatever who knows right there's your weather report guys if you wanted one you got it from California to Michigan here you, there go. you go you're right everything in between you're good just wear a jacket a ski suit a goggles beanie you're good awesome yeah. well, anyways let's kick this thing off today I think we we kind of talked beforehand and, and you kind of wanted to do a quick little interview of myself. I don't think I've ever really interviewed myself on this channel. So awesome. I think, yeah, gonna, I think it would be great. Yeah. So Give the uh, listeners a little insight. Yeah. I guess they always don't know who you know, Chris, I always start out with Chris, AKA the Japanese cowboy. And people are like, who's that guy? Right. So uh, yeah. Can I ask you how you came up with that nickname? I don't think I've ever asked you that. Absolutely. So it's ironic. Um, well, I might as well just jump inside my story then because kind of understand that. It, I have to kind of tell you where it came from. And um, so I was uh, born and raised in the Central Valley of California. I call it the armpit. Um, and uh, there's nothing but cowboys out there. I mean, when I grew up in there, it was everywhere you could look for miles were dairy farms, Portuguese dairy farmers. That's all we were out there. Wow. And so I actually ended up going to a school, which was about – Eight, eight miles east of Turlock, and it was called Denaire. And wow. Denaire was this little tumbleweed town, man. It literally, if, if you drove through and blinked your eyes, you'd miss it. Not but uh, yeah, we're talking Wrangler jeans, cowboy boots, cowboy hats, four wheel drives, the skull tobacco in your back pocket kind of thing, right? <laughs> um, Love that. 
<laughs> right? I, I was probably the not, not probably I was the darkest thing in that entire school next lot. So yeah, but um, so I grew up in there. I did FFA, that kind of stuff, right? Future Farmers of America. You probably know about that. You know, I raised no cattle, slaughter pigs. We did the whole game. I mean, I was like, wow, I was so you, lived, you lived the life too then. So oh, you yeah. were all in. I was, you know, we did some of that out there. And um, I loved country music. It kind of came with the territory because everybody was listening to country music out there, right? And I, so yeah. um, By I- By the way, do you like Zach Bryan oh, right now? Are you- Zach, okay. Zach, absolutely. Zach Brown Band is amazing. I love those guys. Um, love that. I, I, uh, you get accustomed to your environment like anything else in life, right? And so I got really used to country music, and I grew up. And to this day, I still actually really love country music. It's it's ironic. Um, so, anyways, fast forward, and uh, I play country music. Love country music, and everybody started calling me first the Asian cowboy. I was like, you know what? That's cool, but let's get specific. I'm like, I'm that guy. Let's do the details. Um, I don't believe every nationality is like Asian, so many different diversifications, right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm kind of biased to the fact to say that the Japanese culture and for you that may be listening, I'm not here to offend anybody, but I do believe the Japanese culture ideally is the highest ranked in the level of hierarchy in the Asian culture. And maybe because I'm Japanese too, part. Uh, so I was like, you know what, let's be you know, real technical. I was like, let's just call me the Japanese cowboy since I'm Japanese. And they're like, all right, fair enough. Well, it started off as a joke. It really did start off as a joke. Here now, is this like, it's just so for the listeners, are we talking like high school or are we talking after high school? Oh, after high school. Yeah. I didn't really even okay. do school, to be honest. Yeah. I, I, that's how I at that point. I mean, yeah. But this was later on in my years actually here when I got here. Oh, this okay. Yeah. Um, and so I'm like, all right, Japanese cowboy. So it was a joke. Everybody started calling me the Japanese cowboy. And it kind of stuck. And then it became a tagline. And then I started using it for marketing. And also now everybody, I mean, I could be anywhere. I've, I've been in different places and different airports across the country. And ran to somebody like, oh, my God, you're the Japanese cowboy guy. I'm like, <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. So yeah, anyways, what started off as a joke has turned into a marketing spill. Um, I get and so I, I just, I run with it, you know, everybody's like Japanese cowboy. So for yeah. sure. Yeah. For, for sure. For sure. At first, you know, my assumption right off the get was, oh, maybe he's kind of got that rebelistic, you know, rough edge cowboy wits about him. But that, now that you break it down to that, this is actually your roots where you where you grew up and what you actually did as you were growing up. I mean, that's, that's really cool, man. So what was your favorite thing about the farm life back in the day? Just out of curious, Nothing at curiosity. All. Nothing not else. really. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, I would never go back to that again. I mean, I'm not. I'm not the guy who wants to wake up in Yellowstone on Dutton Ranch to <laughs> track a dawn and jump on horses and ride out. I'm good. I'll, I'll get on the motorcycle or the quad or. Uh, and <laughs> That's meet awesome. Yeah. So no, none of that instilled in me at all to this day, as far as that life. For sure. Okay. So then to paint the picture though. So you, you grew up from that. You obviously saw that through, right? You got, you, you went through school. You know, obviously you said you went up to Sacramento area. Is this when you, did you just jump right into real estate? Um, did you, you know, seek out real estate? How did that happen? That's another really long Oprah story. But, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I uh, you know, to really, again, take it back. Um, I didn't really even do high school. I, I got out of high school because I actually had to go work full time at the time. Um, um, my family environment growing up was not the ideal scenario i would say picture perfect for you to think that i was going to turn out amazing you know you got a story for we sure. interviewed you right everybody's got a story um and uh so yeah i actually ended up moving to sacramento when i was 19 uh, and i got married at 19 you know no crazy kidding. crazy dumb and young um 
but that was probably the least of dumb things I probably did, honestly. Um, but I got married, you know, did that whole thing, had a kid at a young age. That's why my oldest son's 30 um, at this point. That's in awesome. life. And, um, but I, you know, I, my whole background was construction. Honestly, that's where it was mm. from. My, my brother was a general contractor actually in the Bay area and okay. we did a lot of construction work. That's all I did. Cause I started working like at 15 and wow. I had to figure out how to survive and, and pay and live. Right. Which normal 15 year old kids were still riding BMX bikes and going out on Saturday and having fun. And I was actually working full time and wow. uh, paying taxes. Right. Like that mm. kind of stuff, that kind of environment. And so that's awesome. Um, it is, you know, it makes you grow up probably. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's awesome to hear that from you though, because it does kind of attribute to like, you know, watching you grow and always looking for, you know, the next thing. And, you know, even prior to our conversation, we would jump on when you're talking about how you're grinding it out, you're pushing up the trying to get to that next level and build great things. I mean, that probably stems from a lot of that, you know, of growing up that way. Right. I mean, you're always pushing in that effort, putting in the effort. Yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, it was always like, I, you know, I, I always look at it and, it, and it, atone it to, to survival, honestly. And, and I don't know if that's always the best fuel. Um, yeah. Survival is, could be a double-edged sword, right? The, the need to survive. Our, our brain naturally instinct is to survive, right? So instinctually, we, it, that's its job. But um, so there's levels of that that come from, you know, working from a place of survival versus like um, abundance or obsessiveness or relentless. I mean, I think those words kind of come to survival because you you have to be relentless when you need to survive like when you need to eat some food and you're starving mm -hmm. you're relentless at finding something to eat right that's right so that's right. it all plays into the picture but um it just it has changed the dynamic of myself which i'll get into a little bit later in my later years um but you know i did construction for years and the reality is i, I realized that that's not something i want to do my rest of my life you know and, and here's the irony i don't know if you believe or those are listening believe in the law of attraction you know what you think about comes about which yeah. focus on expands. Huge, and huge, huge believer. Huge believer, yeah. right? And that's what makes the universe turn. Um, and I'm a hundred thousand percent believer in it. And so when I was younger, we were working in the Bay Area. There's a place out there called Black Hawk. For those who are listening, it's Bay Area of California. It's a very high end area. In fact, John Madden had a house there. Wow. Just to, just yeah. to let you know, John Madden had a house in Black Hawk. And uh, to set the caliber of what that looks like. And, uh, I was working on a house for a guy and there, his name was Frank and Frank used to come to work and leave work every day. He had his 8,000 square foot home. His wow. wife looked like Barbie. And, uh, you know, he drove a brand new BMW seven series. He'd leave in a black three piece suit. He'd come home in a black three piece suit. Kind of like your story with the guys, the suit store, right? Yeah. Frank would come back every day from work. And, and it was one Friday I was working. It was like a hundred degrees out there in a summer day. I was digging trenches in his front yard because we were laying conduit for some stuff. And, and, you know, when you spend a lot of time at these people's houses, you you start to create a, a relationship with them, right? Oh, yeah. How funny that is. And so they were nice. And, and I always ask Frank, Frank, what do you do for a living, man? What is it that you do, brother? Because I, I see you come and go in this car, your, these suits, like you got this house. And he's like, I'm a mortgage broker. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And he's like, ah, and he starts telling me, right? And honestly, it went in one ear, not the other. I'm like, I didn't hear one word he really said. I was just visualizing his car his suit, his house, his wife. I mean, I like, wow, I want all that. I really does. Yeah. Like, that's what I want to see. Right. And so that kind of stuck with me. And, mm -hmm. but the truth is I really didn't like intentionally, I don't feel like I intentionally did things to maneuver myself like mm -hmm. a chessboard to put myself into that position mm -hmm. consciously. Yeah. It was like a seed that was planted. See, that was planted. 
and I just continue to live my life, right? And as I fast forward, a lot of different things that happened in my life. Um, I ended up getting injured on the job, and I couldn't do anywhere work physically, so they actually put me in um, a temp job, and they put me in a desk job. And I was like, okay. oh. So my first job ever where I could actually go to work clean and come home clean, you know? Mm. I could go into a, an office environment where if it's cold outside, the heater's on. If it was warm outside, the AC's on. It's like, oh, climate control. This is kind of right. cool. I could, I could <laughs> dig this, right? Like I've been right. out swinging hammers and doing digging asphalt for years, like in the heat, regardless of elements. So yeah. I'm like, all right, I could do this. And so I did that. And I was kind of like, all right, I need to get to this point. This is where I need to be. I need to be in this kind of environment. Mm. And so I just kind of, again, relationship after relationship, I, I met this, this person, this girl there that worked with me. And I first place I was actually working, I was, I was selling drugs. And, and not like in a bad way. I was actually selling drugs, pharmaceutical drugs. To, okay. To elderly okay. el- <laughs> people. I was like, God, oh, drugs. <laughs> yeah, I was. I was the Japanese cowboy has a story, folks. <laughs> yeah, it goes on and on. <laughs> on every corner, there's something. That, uh, no, but I mean, it was it was pharmaceutical drugs. So like, we were selling them like a 90-day supply of pharmaceutical drugs that they were getting, you know, from their doctor, right? But they do it over the phone. So we had a hit, and I sat by a cubicle desk. I would take phone calls, all that. That was my job. And I thought, well, that's kind of cool. So I met this girl there. Her name is Sandra, a good friend of mine. And one day she's like, yeah, for lunch, I'm going to go. I'm, I'm going to do this interview for uh, my friends selling cell phones. At the time, cell phones were really a thing back then. Oh, yeah, I bet. And he's like, so they're selling cell phones. They're making a ton of money. I go, she goes, you should come with me at lunch. Come on, let's go. So I'm like, all right, cool. I've always been that way. I've always been that way. Okay, cool, let's go. I'm down. I'm a road dog. I roll. So I went to lunch oh. this interview, and it actually was for a job at at the time. It wasn't called Verizon. It was AirTouch Cellular. Okay. They bought Verizon bought AirTouch Cellular back then. Oh no, kidding. Okay. So went there this little interview with a group interview, and lo and behold, they're like, okay, everybody here, you're all hired. You want to come, and you get a base salary, and you get commission to sales, so you can sell and make money. I'm like, oh, I can make money selling. So I got there, started selling cell phones. And this is like big, huge brick phones and pager type stuff. It wasn't like their smart iPhone today. There was yeah. no such thing. And so it was you know, new to the industry. And, and not every kid had one either. It was either like a businessman mm. or somebody of that nature, a doctor that had a pager. It wasn't okay. everybody and their mom that had a phone. Was it, now, was it door-to-door sales or was it like business B2B? Was it, or did people come to you? No, it was telesales. So I, again, sat in a desk and the phone got inbound calls all day long. So I put a wow. headset on, right? And all of a sudden I hear a ding. Somebody's on, oh, I can help you. And it was that, right? So they just came bouncing all day long. Wow. Okay. And so I'm like, all right, cool. Well, you know what? I actually started making a lot of money. I was making like six to $8,000 a month. And for me, that wow. was like, holy crap, that's a lot. That's like almost a hundred grand. Yeah. And all I'm doing is sitting in this chair in an air-conditioned room with a headset on and I get two lunches or lunch and two breaks. Wow, I never got that before, right? So, yeah. Anyways, My, the mindset is starting to change, right? Because you're going from working outside all day to then getting into the office to then being open minded to go to the cell phone route. Now you're doubling your income, maybe at this point. Now you're you're breaking these barriers. Yeah, and all along yeah. the way, when I really step back and I look back at this timeline and journey, I didn't realize it, but I actually was climbing this ladder towards mm. Frank. Mm. You know. And so, ironically, there's a guy that sat on the other side of my desk every day during lunch. He's eating pizza, and he's taking his real estate course. I'm like, what are you doing, bro? 
He's like, oh, I'm studying for a real estate exam. Well, what's that? Oh, I'm, I want to be a realtor. I'm like, well, what's that? He's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, cool. Sat down. Because at the time, right, it's never important until it is important. Correct. And I was like, I'm making six, eight grand a month. I'm cool. I'm totally comfortable. I'm good. Like nothing can be better right now to me. Like yeah. you couldn't present anything better to me. Right. You're, you're almost looking at him like, are you crazy, man? Do you see the money that's coming in from the lines right now? What are you doing? Yeah. Right. It was like, you got it made here, you know, and there are some people making 10 to $12,000 a month on selling wow. cell phones. Like, okay, wow. So I was like, okay, cool. And so funny story about him. I'll tell you later down the road. But, um, so then I ended up, uh, had another good friend and his name was Tony that sat down like four seats for me at my desk. And he one day comes lunch says, Hey man, I'm out of here. I'm, 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 I'm going to go start doing these, these loans. I make loans. What what loans? And he's like, oh, this mortgage company start doing loans. These guys are making a ton of money. I'm like, okay, cool. Hey, good luck. Well, he leaves, right? And it happens to be almost, I'd say, I'd say almost a year later. It's crazy. Okay. I literally was gonna go on a Friday night out to happy hour with a buddy of mine named Tony, another Tony. Law of attraction again. The universe wow. works in mysterious ways. That's right. So I call and dial up Tony. Just to confirm that we we're still meeting for happy hour. Yeah. And it's Chris. I just want to let you know, are we still on? He's like, Chris, Chris, who am I? Chris, Okamura. We, who is this? Is this? It's Tony. I'm like, Tony. And he goes, oh my God, Chris, Verizon. Oh, instantly. We hadn't talked in a year. Wow. And I'm like, oh my God, you you took off and went and did loans. That's right. I'm like, how you doing, brother? I'm like, I dialed the wrong Tony. My bad. I'm actually looking for the other Tony. But hey, how you doing, by the way? He goes, oh my God, you would not believe it, brother. I made $20,000 last month. Wow. I'm like, shut that up. And he's like, no, I did. He says, you should come for an interview. I'm going to tell my boss that I want to interview. Come Monday at lunch. I'm like, all right. Again, all right, cool. Always open-minded. Always open-minded, always. So Monday, I take off from my job at lunch, and I go meet him and his boss. Man, walk into a straight boiler room with Vin Diesel, bro. Oh, yeah. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> walk in there. These guys are dialing for dollars on the phone, man. And they're just doing all these mortgage stuff. And the manager's like, ask me a series of questions and things. Like, He's like, okay, you start tomorrow. Wow. I'm like, uh, I'm on a lunch break. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't start tomorrow. I was like, I got to go back and give two weeks noise at least. That's like the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Okay. Then he just proceeds to hard sell me. He's like, cool, I get it. Not everybody's ready for this kind of money. So obviously, when you're ready for that kind of money, let me know. And he says, hey, Tony, go over there at your desk and grab your check. And my buddy Tony actually had taken the check for $20,000 and he put it in a frame. He says, hey, here it is. Boom. Sure as shit. There was a check for $20,000. I'm like, oh, my God. Little did I realize that guy's a great salesman. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, he's like, so I guess you're just not ready. I'm like, oh, the hell you say? I was like, mm. no. I was like, cool. I'll be here Monday, buddy. I'll be here tomorrow. He's wow. like, okay. I literally went back to lunch, my lunch break, handed my supervisor my keys, my badge, and says, here we go. I'm done. And she says, what? You just went to lunch. I'm like, yeah, I know. But I got to go do this thing. I got to wow. do it. So and, your intuition felt right though. It, it was that and a combination of just like seeing that check and all the emotions because man, to walk away from that security of that much money, right? You had to have some radical belief that this was going to work for you. 
Yeah, I mean, there's some intuition to me there of belief, but I think more importantly, to be quite transparent, it was a $20,000 check. Like, I, that's got to be mine. Mm. You know, that's what's still the deal. I was like, okay, okay. That, that's real. And I think everybody's looking for real. Like, if it's real and tangible, and it's like, I can touch it, then your belief system increases. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's that ability to say, like, oh, you could have this, or you could have that. If you do that, well, like, oh, here you go. I just got it. Here it is. The four-minute mile, right? Everybody yeah. thought it was unbelievable until one person did it. Okay. So yeah, I jump over there. I had zero clue what I was doing, bro. Zero clue. And he hands me a legal pad and a pen and says, go sit with that guy over there, put headphones on and listen for the whole entire day. Tomorrow you're on the phones. Wow. Okay. I don't even know what an arm is. Like what's the arm? What's a morgue? What is a, what is that? What? I don't know what that, right. That's where I was at. And mm -hmm. so sat there for the whole entire day, man, for 12 hours on the phone with him, just listening to his cone. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Next day, I got on the phone and just started doing it, you know? Wow, and within, I'd say, the first two months, I had made more money than I ever made in my entire life there. Wow. Okay, so yeah. it worked. It, you connected oh, totally the worked. dots. Well, thank yeah. God. It worked, yeah. But it really wasn't hard. I, I finally realized that my superpower is the fact that I actually can talk on the phone. You know, I'm great at swinging a hammer and building shit, but boy, I'm really good at talking. And, mm. and, and now, as you know today... I, I have a diarrhea of the mouth. I probably can talk for days. So um, <laughs> I disagree, but I love it. <laughs> it's a double-edged sword. I think you times. do just fine. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it was. I, I, I found this new superpower, so to speak, right? Like the superpower that I have the ability to go basically use my voice and just mm. talk and sell stuff to people. I mean, I was selling on the cell phone sector for sure. Sure. But then I come over here, like now we're talking apples and oranges, though. We're talking, okay, yeah, I can make a $200 spiff on selling a cell phone, or I could make 20 grand for doing, you know, three or four refis. All right. It just, that just seemed like a better deal. Yeah. So, interesting enough, though, as you're hearing my story, you notice I have now ventured into the world of Frank, but I just didn't realize it. Mm. Yeah, because you're, you know, technically, as you move on, you became a realtor, right? So to to, to see this avenue is kind of kind of different and, and also makes sense. Like what you're saying, you were really following unconsciously. You just made it there. Law of attraction, right? That and I believe that a thousand percent, the universe opens doors for you all the time. Mm -hmm. And that's where people talk about you're lucky. You're lucky. Oh, you're so lucky. No, that's, you know, preparation meets opportunity is the definition of luck. And Opportunities will arise in front of everybody that's listening on this call right now. You just decide whether you want to notice them or not, mm -hmm. or whether you just want to be open-minded and go for it, right? There really is no other option because you have zero things to lose by trying something, at least trying it. If you mm -hmm. fail, at least you tried. You know, now, I want to I open that up a little bit, though, uh, because there's a lot of stuff that you're touching on here that I think is so powerful. And when you first started your story and you were talking about how you started off working and you were just running and gunning even at a young age. And I said, well, man, that's awesome. Now, first, you're like, yeah, it's kind of awesome. But then my, my perception is that is that is it is awesome to see you go from your story of where you were to where you are today and how you broke past all these individual barriers of mindset changes to get get there. What would you say to when you were going through that process? And maybe you didn't have it at the time. Maybe you were just kind of going with the flow. But what, what could someone, you know, that is kind of in those transitional periods really start to focus on and or be open to 
um, or maybe like a simple trick to help them kind of unlock those barriers. Because how many times do we hear people, yeah, I was, you know, waiting tables for 25 years, then in, you know, management at the restaurant, you know, didn't even know there was this opportunity of change or, you know, <clears throat> how, how did you go from, you know, working, you know, building and doing those components, being out in the elements, working on, you know, construction, then going from there, like to break your mindset, like, yes, you were always open, but was there ever something where you reading books Were you always like seeking more knowledge to get there? Or was it just kind of an ebb and flow of, of your life? No, I mean, honestly, at that point, I, I was not reading any books at all to be okay. totally honest. You know, <laughs> okay. That wasn't even in my agenda. You know, like I, I'm read more books in this latter part of my life than I've ever read in my entire life. In fact, if I'm completely honest, I think I read one book, even through all of my grades of school, it was the houseboat mystery book. And I, I wrote a book report in that book, like eight times in a row. It was like wow. the only book I read. That's how bad it was on a level of like scholastically speaking. Mm. Um, to be honest, that I think survival. survival. Survival makes you have, it's the only thing I can go back to. Because yeah. the place in my life where I was at, I really had no real direction, consciously direction. Like, okay, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to finish and graduate and go to college for four years. My degree is going to be in this. It's like you actually consciously plan that out. I had zero conscious plan in my life other than I just got to figure out how to survive. Now, I will add to that that that's not a place that I would tell people to be in. That's not like a healthy place to be in because there's a lot of other things to this picture that I don't speak about that wasn't very congruent with a positive lifestyle right? Mm. Because survival makes people do crazy things. Mm. It's been proven, right? You see people when it comes to the level of survival, it's survival of the fittest. Yeah. So my ability to subconsciously push me through every one of these elements in different pieces and blocks of my life was purely off the fact that I just wanted to freaking survive. Mm. I wanted something better. I had no idea what it was. Mm -hmm. All I had in my mind, the only thought in my mind I even could even depict or go back to was Frank. That's the crazy part. One guy in my mind was the only positive affluence in my mind that I could have fixed on subconsciously that gives me even that level. Because I'll be honest, I, I, I think about this, Ross. Yeah. If yeah. I didn't ever go through that experience of doing Frank's house and meeting Frank and seeing all that I saw, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd be here today. Mm. That's powerful. It's like, right? It's that one seed of that one thing that stuck in my mind. Because if, if you really want to play back my whole entire reel, nothing prior to me understanding and seeing Frank was even close remotely to being positive to like, hey, Chris, you should do good things with your life. You should be <laughs> a real good influence on people. No, it was worse. It was bad. Yeah. It was bad. Yeah. So, you know, again, choices. We all got them. That's right. That's right. And uh, I just made different ones. And so here we are with that. You know, I got into doing the loans. And then ironically, the same Tony that got me into the loans one day at break says, I'm out of here, dude. I'm leaving. I'm like, oh, you lost your mind? What? He's like, yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to go into the brokerage world. It was, a, we were working for a direct lender. Okay. He says, yeah. I'm like, well, what's that? What's that? He says, well, I don't know. I, I'm learning a little bit about it, but all I know is that I, I actually have a chance to shop the rate. I can shop at different places so I get more options. 
and uh, I can get paid in the front and the back so I can make more money. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to that. I'm like, cool. Let me know when it goes. goes. Six months, he calls me. He's like, bro, just destroying what we were doing. This is crazy. <laughs> I'm like, okay, where do I go? And so I fought him. We went That's there, right? Awesome. And I started my life into a brokerage world. Um, so I did that for several years and it was very lucrative, made great money at it. Um, create a whole other lifestyle that I had never had before. And then here's another piece that's the universe talking. Because uh, again, if I want to go back and talk about Frank, who was a mortgage broker, he owned his own company mm-hmm. and he had that lifestyle. I was like, ah. Oh. And I obviously was already in the mortgage world. I mean, mm-hmm. right? I was in the mortgage world. I was doing mortgages. I was, but I was working for somebody doing mortgages. I hadn't yet reached the level of Frank, but I definitely was doing mortgages. So I enhanced my life for sure. A thousand percent from digging oh, trenches. A thousand percent. So the next step was I was actually working out at 24 hour fitness a lot. I was working out a lot. Uh, when you're younger, you do that. When you're older, oh, you yeah. stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you know, I used to really take the 24 hour fitness thing to the furthest, to the furthest level. And then I was out there working out like around 11 o'clock at night, one night. And I ran into a buddy of mine that actually I sold cell phones back at that same place that I before. No, no kidding. Yeah. And it was a young guy, a young cat. He was like 18, 19 years old. And he's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you. It had been probably close to 10 years that I had not seen him. Wow. And you still recognized him. Yeah, that's, oh, yeah. that's impressive. Yeah. So he's like, hey, he was going out. And he's like, he's like, man, he says, what are you doing? I'm like, um, I've been doing loans this whole time. He goes, oh, my God. He goes, well, I've been selling real estate because I'm over at Remax. I'm like, okay. Cool. Cool. He's like, hey, you know, we should go grab lunch sometime and catch up. Mike, yeah, sounds good. So we actually did follow through in about a week or two. We got together and we went and grabbed lunch, right? And he's like, you know what? We should go do our own thing. Like, I've been doing real estate for this long. You've been doing more. You, you know what we're doing. He says, well, let's go do our own spot. I'm like, okay, let's go give it a shot. So that was in 2000. Is it 2000? Um, <laughs> We went and uh, we opened up our own spot, just me and him. He was the real estate side. I was the mortgage side. We hired uh, three call – basically, they were like telephone operator, telesales people and uh, the dialers. And back then, we used to get like bookloads of title leads for free, like droves of title leads. Like title reps were giving us those things like hot off the press. They were binders and binders and binders of them, right? And so we set them down. Here we go. Y'all make these calls. And, so the, uh, those positions would kind of be like an ISA, right? Oh, like yeah. Inside, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. ISA, yep. Hourly yeah. people, and uh, they would dial for dollars. And if they wanted somebody that wanted refinance, they went to me. If they wanted somebody that wanted to sell their home, they went to my buddy. And we just ran this thing. And we did that in a 900-square-foot office. We started in Folsom. And uh, it did really well, actually. And they're like, hey, so we're like, so we should probably expand. Like we should do more. Like we only had enough room though for three desks in our front room. We thought, man, if we could just like quadruple this, we can make like four times the money, right? In, in math in your head, that's how you add, oh, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, cool. So we were leaving one Friday night from our office and we have walking down the office and the property manager have to be walking the same floor and she come walking out of this corner unit. And we're like, oh, hey, what's going on? She goes, oh, hey. What was that right there? She goes, oh, we're just finishing the touches on our last corner unit here, and it's going to be going up for lease soon. I'm like, oh, really? She goes, yeah, it's nice. You want to see it? Make sure. So we went in there, walked in there, this beautiful corner suite. It was like dialed in. 
4,000 square feet. We went, it was 900 we had. 4,000 wow. is what we looked at. She's like, you guys, you guys interested in it? And we're like, hmm, maybe. And so he's like, we'll go talk about it. Went home that night. We chopped some numbers up. And again, we really had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, for sure. You're just right? sending it. Yeah. And we're just like, okay, if we do this and we do that, we hire this, we hire that, we should increase this too and should increase that too. And it all should work out. Yeah. That should be in a book for dummies, like like starting your own business for dummies. And uh, <laughs> so we got us like, we said, sure, we'll take it. And we ended up finishing off the entire office. Um but here's a real heavy thing that you don't realize. That every time you turn around, somebody wants a $3,000 check, a $5,000 check, another $3,000 check. The internet guy, oh, I got to pull wires from across the hall. That's only going to be $5,000. Okay. Oh, man. I got to put a new server in. I got to put a new server in. Oh, this is going to be like $5,000. Down to the refrigerator in the break room, the sweet and lows. I mean, your, your, it was, your yeah. boardroom chairs, like your last plant and your last picture wall. Don't, people don't think about all of that. Oh, yeah. And by the time we were done, we spent well over $150,000 in just stuff being right. Okay. So we're already in this business model and we started running it. And then we just started hiring again more ISAs. I'm like, we're going to fill it. We had this huge room this time, huge room. We just lined the sucker up full desk, 20 desks. Wow. So we hired 20 ISAs to come in and start dialing for dollars. And we paid them all $15 an hour. And gave them spiffs and bonuses if they actually gave us a liable lead that turned into something, they'd get a bonus, right? Yeah. I had 20 ISAs, if you want to call them that today. I had five realtors and four loan officers, myself, my partner, and two front desk people in the front. That's how big we end up getting. Wow. And now, what, what year is this around to? What time? Where are we um, at now in the story? 2005, six, five okay. or six, yeah, five or six, yeah. Right okay. before our lovely crash. This is why I ask. Yes, I, I, I figured we were getting there. A little unrealistic life, how life was going. It was like, yeah, it was a different time back then. I mean, mm. it was. It was wheelbarrows of money. It was unrealistic times. We were just living lives that we probably should never lived. <laughs> um, if you guys have watched the big short movie with Brad Pitt, that's really what it was like, too. Wow. Strippers buying six houses, uh, no income, no asset loans. I used to bring in cocktail napkins with people's incomes on it. And that's how you'd basically do their, your debt to income ratio. All right. It was crazy. It was, nuts. That it was insane. Crazy. That is um, crazy. If you had a 700 FICO score, I could literally give you a half a million dollar home. I mean, regardless of be, income, right? Regardless of income. Yeah. It was like, cause it was, an, it was a no income, no asset loan. You could, you could have zero like proof of income and zero proof of assets. If you had a 700 FICO score, we'd make the rest up. Yeah. Yeah, and, and see, uh, this is yeah to, to where we're at now. Things have changed so dramatic, and that's why when people compare us to 08, that phrase that you said alone, right, just how you got loans approved, should give a, a pretty good understanding that it's we're not in that process of you know history, oh, right? Not we're, even we're, close. We're, yeah, You're not, not even close. close. We're nothing. We're not similar at all in any ways at yeah. all in the markets now of, of 07, 08 to today. I mean, number yeah. one people had their houses leveraged out to the tilt. They were like 97, 98% loan to values. They refinanced yeah. them like three or four times and took out, well, because of the accelerated growth, we were accelerating 27 to 28% a month. A, a month. month. A month. Yeah. Wow. A month. Now, I understand you guys listen out there. 
a month. That's you know what the average is in the national? 7% is your national per year, per mm -hmm. year. And we were doing 28% a month. People were buying brand new houses and it was a lottery. You had to go and put pick numbers to win a lottery ticket to even go put an offer on a property. And once you got accepted, you put a down payment on it. The house was built. It would take a normal of, you know, almost eight to 10 weeks to build a house out in a track home. But by the mm -hmm. time you got your keys in 10 weeks, you already had $150,000 in equity in your home. Wow. So you, yeah, every client on the loan end, you're already, hey, setting them up for that refi, setting them up for the refi. Yep. Yep. And like, oh, hey, take some cash out. You could pay off some bills. You could buy some new 20-inch rims with spinners on it. You can buy flat plasma TVs. You can go buy jet skis. You can buy boats. You know what? I mean, you sold the dream. Um, yeah. And, I, wow. and guess what? When the market will return, you'll be fine. You can refinance again. That's what we're telling everybody. We can refinance again. You can yeah. you know, change your rate. And you, we were selling adjust rate mortgages like they were candy at a mm. birthday party. You know, and these were negam loans too. Anybody doesn't know what negam negative amortization loans were even worse. Mm. Those are pickup pay loans where you were paying basically one percent. One percent is what you're paying off that base rate. One percent, and the rest of it becomes deferred, and it, that's why they call it a negative amortization loan. So mm. the difference in your payments that you're not paying defers to the back end of your loan, and all mm. of a sudden it starts to negative amortize. Which means if you Got bought it. a home for three hundred thousand, and your payment was at a one percent, was like six hundred and fifty bucks. But a full PI and TI principal interest tax insurance payment was like three grand, but you're paying six fifty. That difference oh, wow. was all thrown in the back end of your loan for five years. Wow! And then. We used to qualify people actually off of the $650 a month payment, which wow. is even more crazier. Because then when that five-year mark came up, if you all watched the big short, when everything started to short out, that's what happened. The five-year mm. marks were coming up on everybody's arm. The payments came to call. And now you got to pay a $3,000 a month payment. You've been paying $650 a month for five years. And like, talk about sticker shock. Yeah. Yeah, but everyone, you know, when they're signing that loan at that time, they're probably assuming too, oh, yeah, I'll have it figured out or oh, I'll do this in the future or oh, whatever, you know, I'll deal with it later, right? Yeah, rates will turn around, you come back, you can extend this arm for five years and guess what, in five years, the rates will be great, we'll put you in a 30-year fix and you'll be able to be in a real comfortable payment or we'll throw you another seven one arm, right? Yeah. Interest only or something, right? Yeah. And it is the way the game is played, but, uh, you know, I, I was not about even point fingers, the market did what it did and and we all became victim of that. And, and so it is what it was, right? So oh seven, eight, nine, we all, and uh, lost everything I had, lost everything I wow. had. I mean, I went from having a six bedroom home to actually at that time, moving in with one of my ex-girlfriends with her brother into a house, into one bedroom, like a room, wow. a single room. Talk about humbling experience. Mm. You know, you're up here. MC Hammer, man, bumps in the humps. And then all of a sudden, you're down here. And you know what? A lot of people really lost it. I obviously had a spell of it too. I'm not going to lie because I'm a human being. But I also remember where I came from. I came from nothing. So to go back to nothing, it was a humbling experience for sure. But yeah. it, it made me better of who I need to be and to come back as a better person. Um I always told God, if just give me one more chance to do this right, you know, 
So sure. yeah, I did. And uh, so at that point, still hadn't even done real estate, by the way. So I fulfilled oh. my Frank picture, just FYI, those listening and following the story. Yeah. I and did you did you feel story. inside too? Did you finally have those revelations to yourself? Like, oh my God, like at that moment when you did hit that pinnacle, you had the six bedroom house, you had the huge office. Did you feel accomplished in that? Were you like, hey, I, I did it. You know, man, like I had my eyes set on that and I knocked it off the charts or was no. it not that? No. You know, it's, okay. it's still as crazy as this is that, uh, Again, consciously, I don't think I ever made Frank as like this poster on my wall, like on a vision board, like I was trying to reach Frank's life my whole life. It was not there consciously. Okay. Obviously, it was a subconscious thing in my ball. I was in tune with, with the universe through my law of attraction, and that's what was taking me there. But I remember one situation. We actually had a grand opening for our office. We got in the 4,000 square foot office. We had it all done. Everything was done. The last picture was up on the wall. The last plant was by the front door. And uh, we had this welcoming part, like, you know, cut the ribbon, red ribbon, you know, to our office. Because, you know, we had a nine square, 900 square foot office. We weren't really going to celebrate about that. But this was like, okay, we reached the pinnacle and we actually were doing well and was fully staffed. And uh, my partner, actually, his parents showed up, right? And he's like, his parents like, oh, my God, son, so so proud of you. You did amazing. Like, look what you accomplished. Right. And, you know, I, I come from this environment where, like at that point, you know, my mom had died when I was 15. My dad was pretty much a two by four. I mean, he was non-existent my entire life. So, which is why I think my drive, my why was always to prove him wrong kind of mm. thing. Right. That, that fire was survival and the drive was to prove because my dad never really thought much of me and didn't mm. think I was going to be much of anything. And, uh, so yeah, so we're in this situation where we're at this welcoming party, this grand opening, and his parents are there like, oh my God, good job. And I'm, and I'm sitting in my office thinking, oh my God, we, we did do it. We did it. We're here. We did this. And to what you're saying, I'll say, yeah, for a moment there, I thought about, all right, yeah. But it was like, it wasn't fulfilling. And, it's be and it was because there was like nobody there for me to celebrate it with. Mm. You know, like my parents weren't there to sit there and say, oh, congratulations, son. You did a great job. We're so proud of you. Look what you've accomplished, right? And that's yeah. all I actually ever wanted, to be honest, which is why my drive was that way from the beginning. Mm, that's powerful, bro. Right, the validation. So, no, I didn't. At that point in my life, when I reached that level, I honestly didn't sit there and be like, oh, my God, woo, I made it. It wasn't out of that. You know, I just, like, I was, I was proud of what I did. I definitely had done way more than anybody in my entire family. All of them probably combined together. Mm. And... You know, so I celebrated that win for as long as I could until the day came when we like pretty much we have no more money. Like we cannot continue wow. to run this shop and we gotta close doors. We can't afford to keep this place. Um and that's what happened, right? Liquidate, liquidate, wow. liquidate. Yeah. Um so, so yeah, you, you go from there, right? Now now that market crashes, obviously, you said you lose the space, right? Did the, you, I'm assuming you parted ways with that specific partner or maybe you yeah. kept it together. Mm -hmm. So you're at your girlfriend's house in this one-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. Did you did you sit at the whiteboard then? Because I know a lot of your story, right? You just kept on going out, going out, opening the door. Okay, I'm jumping. Man, I love how many times you've jumped. And what's cool about your story is a lot of times in the times that you have jumped, I mean, I'm sure there's parts where, right, yeah. You, you, you fell down and all that, but your parachute keeps opening, man. I mean, you keep catching yeah. good breaks to the next step. Uh, what was your next plan after that? Uh, lots of alcohol. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, it was not a, a moment of like party time. And yeah, I, I was absolutely depressed. I don't even want to put that even out there. Like it's not pretend like it wasn't. 
Yeah. You go from a certain high for a certain time to that. It's a humbling experience. Um, but it is depressing. It's a depressing. I was depressed for months on end. Um, mm. I didn't even get out of bed, didn't do anything, stare at a wall, which was not my style. You know, I had been running hundred miles an hour my entire life. And at that particular moment, I actually hit the brakes and was like, Herp. so yeah, like all of the, uh, vision and, and law of attraction and, you know, what you think about comes about. I was all blah, 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 blah. I don't want to hear that right now because I'm like in the most worst spot of my life. But, um, you know, I managed to, to, to dig my way out of that. And uh, I actually went and did a job. For two seconds, I went and um, actually went and got a job at Home Depot. Okay. Funny story. When I got a job at Home Depot, I was like, you know what? I can't do this. Um, maybe I should just go to a job at Home Depot because I knew construction. Right. My fallback. Yeah. I knew yeah. construction. I can go back and I could be a salesman over there and make good money. I got skills. I could build shit. I could do all I mm-hmm. I'll sell it. So I did. I went to work at Home Depot. They hired me too. And uh I was like, okay. I lasted two weeks. Wow. Two weeks there. And I was like in the bathroom ready to hang myself. I'm like, I cannot absolutely I was like, I stood in the mirror, I asked myself, what are you doing with your life? Like if I look back and play the role back, the real back, well, I was living a life that was unbelievable. Yeah. That I built that. Mm-hmm. And like, what am I doing? Why am I working at this Home Depot? Why am I in this bathroom stall right now? <laughs> what am I doing staring at this mirror and talking to myself? <laughs> like all those things rush through your head, right? Right. right. And I'm like, I got to get I, I gotta get here. This is not me. And so that was like a wake-up call for me. You know, like, all right, this wow. is not my life. I, I, I am much more talented than this. And so, yeah, I left. And then, um, actually at that point I just started reintroducing. I got back into real estate. I just, no more mortgages. I just did straight real estate. And I actually started working for uh, a personal buddy of mine out in Folsom who kind of taught me the ropes. I mean, I already knew the contracts then because we had already been messing with them for years. So for essentially sure. I, I know the contracts, know how to do all that stuff. And yeah. so I'm like, all right. Um, again, I went to work with him cause he was like, Oh, I'll give you a hundred percent. I'll only charge you 500 bucks a deal. Okay. Seems like a steal, right? Like in your mind, 100%, only 500 bucks, pay as you yeah. go. Okay. Yeah. Well, for an entry, for figuring it out. Yeah, that seems like great off the cuff. Yeah, until yeah. you start doing a lot of units. <laughs> or here's the other little smart note behind that. You get what you pay for. The yeah. reality is like he had zero time for me. Zero mm-hmm. time for me. Obviously, mm-hmm. he wasn't paying anything for me to be there. So yeah. he was going to give me no time either. So I really had nobody around. It was just myself in that office. So it was kind of lonely. There was no community. There was no collaboration. It was like, blah, blah. So a buddy of mine said, hey, you need to come over work with me. So I went to work at a local brokerage called Lion Real Estate. It's a huge okay. family one out here in town. Um, they managed to grow a very vastly large independent, about 1,200 agents in town. Wow. So I went to work for them and my buddy, my buddy Jeff Pennington, love him to death. He's an amazing guy. Um, worked there and my business doubled. It started to really grow and thrive. You know, being around a different environment, it thrived because I was in a different place. Um, but then, you know, I honestly outgrew that model really quickly. Um, I had this aha experience on a Saturday sitting in the office. Uh, my desk used to face the elevator and I was sitting there and there happened to be an agent there. I won't name names because probably anybody listening to this probably know her name, but I think she might've sold Noah's Ark just being honest. And, uh, that's how old she was. And, uh, I'm thinking she'd come walking in and, and, and how ironic the situation was that she had actually gotten a, a knee surgery done. So she would, had to be on a walker, right? Mm-hmm. So she's using this walker with an oxygen tank on it, with an oxygen mask on. And it's a Saturday and she's walking out of the elevator with her with her, her thing. 
And, and, and again, she didn't really need the walker only because of operation, but it just fit the situation very tight. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I saw her walk out and she's like, you know what? She's telling her clients, you guys just go over there and you go sit in that room right there and I'll be right there and we'll write this contract up right up for you guys and we'll get it over for you. And all of a sudden, man, I just had this, holy shit, is that going to be me? Am I going to be in a walker like that old telling my clients to go in there and sign a document? So I'm like, man, I got to do something different. It's kind of the epiphany of me when I was early on realizing, man, I can't swing this hammer forever. This is crazy. Mm. Am I going to be this, excuse me for saying this, old person, seasoned, let's use that word, seasoned person. So I'm like, I got to make some moves. This is going to be different. I, I started thinking differently then. I started thinking mm-hmm. how, how can I leverage and scale? Because if you're not leveraging and scaling anything you're doing at the particular moment, you are just working a job. Yeah. And that's all it will ever be is a job. So keep that in mind. Those are listening. If you need to figure out how to leverage and scale whatever you are doing. And so I'm like, all right, that's what I forgot. And how do I leverage and scale in real estate? Well, Ownership is where it's at. We all know yeah, that. I just put a right. about that yesterday, right? Ownership has its privileges, always has, always will. And it pays to be at the top because now you can turn your leverage, which currently was time for money, trading time for money, to trading people for money. That's what it was about. And so that's what I did when I had my own mortgage company, right? I had yeah. tons of people working for me and I leveraged that. So I had to get back into that mind space again. And But the company I was at, didn't support that model. It didn't even facilitate it in any way, shape, or form. So I got to make a move. So I actually joined my local board of realtors out here in Placer County and um, started doing that. I'm like, why not? Why not? It's yeah. voluntary. I don't get paid for it. But like, I just need to get around a lot of people and start building some amazing relationships because this business is based off relationships. But it's funny if you talk to people, realtors, and they say, why would I go talk to more realtors for? That doesn't get me business. That's what everybody says. But I did it anyways, right? I went and did this, and I jumped in it, started doing things. So I was board director for six years for for our local association. I was a board director for my state, for California too. Wow! Um, and uh, I did that, and that was actually a very interesting tour for sure. I learned a lot about the hinds of works of real estate and how it works in this country, our state. A lot of log- logistics and logistics, legal yeah. and, and yeah. politics. Yeah. And so. Um, I did something where I, I, I joined one of the committees called the YPN group, which is Young okay. Professional Network Group, right? And um, I actually spearheaded that in 2013, and I did really well with it. Uh, I was the I actually created the very first largest networking mixer in the entire country. Wow. Ever. Um, it was called Aloha Nights. Okay. And, uh, it was at a pool at a local casino here in town. And we had upwards that it went for 11 years straight. Wow. And, uh, we had upwards of about a thousand people and raised 50 to $75,000 in one night from this. Holy event. smokes. So in, it is, it is the largest still to this day, largest networking mixer in the state of for NAR. Wow. All over okay. the country. Right? So I built that and I established it. And I actually did that by myself because nobody believed it could be done. So I single-handedly designed that from scratch and built that myself. And so Keller Williams saw that and they came sniffing me out and they're like, you know what? We really saw what you did with that. It was pretty awesome. We want you to come work for us and run one of our market centers. I'm like, all right. There's that that opportunity that you were looking for. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, well, it came with a nice, very 
highly fat six-figure salary. I'm like, cool, bonus, off the office, okay. And we're going to teach you all the things about running the business that Keller Williams way, which I had my own way, which, just to be honest, it was like from a Captain Crunch box. We were figuring out as we go. This right. was like Keller Williams. Gary Keller had it already mapped out. It was divided. It was, it was actually cool. So I did that. I did that for three and a half years, which if wow. you understand the statistics for a Keller Williams team leader, the life expectancy is 18 months. I was going to say 18 months to two years. Yeah. So I left it three and a half years of that. And I learned a lot. And I learned a lot when I didn't want to do. And I learned a lot where I was at. And, and I tell myself now where I'm sitting at today that all the things I did was actually preparing me for where I'm at today. I was just going to say, you know, watching you build or hearing you build, you know, the largest, you know, NAR or, you know, get, get together, right? An actual mixer really helped you not only with your leadership skills, but being able to, you know, be an influencer at a high capacity, which has ultimately helped team freedom here, you know, grow to where it's at today too. So. Yeah. A lot of the same similar things, right. That people skills, relationship skills, but then I took a lot of the things that, and hands down, I think Keller Williams has an amazing model for a brick yeah. and mortar environment. It has an amazing model. They're the sure. only company that really has that run your biz like a business. So I took a lot of that. Um, and so I was done with that um, three and a half years. I did no more franchise. Some of this done. And then I did get bought in quickly for a short minute to an Intero franchise, which is a Berkshire Hathaway. Okay. And I was like six months. I'll just give you six months. Didn't work. I was done out quickly. And uh, then, you know, my great friend, Brent Gove, gives me a call. You know, in 2016, I left Keller Williams, man. I'm like, what? You know, I had known Brent for well over a decade, you know, and, and I was like, okay, that's, I'm definitely curious, my friend, like I need to hear what's going on. So I did, yeah. you know, I heard the star, I was going to sit in the Starbucks. He shared me what's going on the XP model. And I was like, two seconds, I put the laptop lid down. I was like, I'm in, <laughs> where do I sign? I'm in, you know, cause I was actually ultimately my other secondary option was I was going to go start my own company with a buddy of mine who was a commercial estate broker. Mm -hmm. And we were going to go do our own thing, kind of raise our own flag and build it by ourselves. And I was like, okay, I could do that too. I know how to do it. I can build a real estate company from scratch. You know, I have all the yeah. footprint. And so I'm like, all right. But then when I just saw the EXP model, I was like, oh my God, remember those two things I talked about earlier? Yeah. Leverage and scalability. This is the most highest used leverage and scalability you'll ever get in a real estate model in the world. Mm. And if you don't understand that, it's probably because you've never ran a business before. Mm -hmm. I'm just telling you right now, you cannot get a scalable, lever more leveraged model in real estate than EXP. And that is the truth. And, I'm, and it's not even me just talking like I read it in a book. I've lived this shit. I've done mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. So, And I, I love that portion of what you're saying, right? Is because you have validated a, a ton of different market spaces. You've seen what it's like to be able to scale something and grow it, take the leap of faith, you know, get the office space, get the team, get the ISAs, you know, from a lending component, from then the real estate component, you've done the partnerships and ventured out with people. You've, you know, then went off and did the, I'm going to hang my license under somebody, have them teach me the ropes at the, let's just call it hundred percent brokerages. Right. Then yet, then you're like, man, I can't do that. I got to go over here to this Avenue. And then you jump from that. And, you know, we hear this a lot through different industry, uh, you know, leaders that they're constantly jumping from one ship to the other ship. And they're trying to find this piece that EXP does have. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You know, I always hear a lot of times people have their excuse of like, you know, I don't want to be known as that agent that just jumps everywhere. You know, I don't even really know as that age that's, you know, you look at my resume and I got 50 different places on there. I'm like, you know what? The reality is if it's 50 different places though, that took you 
10 feet farther than before, mm -hmm. then that was the best 50 best decisions you ever made. Come on. If you're jumping 50 different ships, but you're really not going anywhere, and now actually maybe you're going backwards, then you made the wrong decision. That's right. Which, right. In that scenario, most realtors, let's be honest, you're jumping ship because you think the brokerage is what's wrong, but really it's you. You're That's what's right. wrong. You know, but you have that different mindset. I was coming from a place that I was eagerly seeking more leverage, more scalability in my business. And how can I best get use of that? And I wasn't going to stop mm -hmm. until I found it. That's right. And if it meant me going to 50 brokerages or 50 different platforms to find it, that's why it took Edison a thousand times to figure out how to do a light bulb, but only it took one time to do it, right? For sure. And at the end of the day, a lot of those mixed beliefs that people have, ultimately, people are hiring you for you. You know, they, they, they want to work with you because they want to work with you. You know, it doesn't matter if you're at, you know, this reality or that reality or whatever. I mean, that's really what it is at the end of the day, right? It is. That's, a, it that's is. a limited belief, too, that we, we carry in this industry, which does have a, a say because we're so taught to, well, stick it out and stay with that company and, and, and build up a resume and all that, right? I mean, that, that limited mindset there. Is, oh, totally. is something that we all struggle with at some it point. Holds, it holds us back in so many ways, and which is why you see people do not succeed, right? Heck yeah. So we're like our own worst critic. We're our own worst enemy. Um, but yeah, so now I've been Sorry. here at EXP for six years, and you know what? I've been able to leverage and build this model at EXP larger than I've ever been, even if I went and built my own space. Like I thought about it that sitting um, the other day, like, wow, if I had actually went to take door left, and went left the door, right? And took that spot of starting my own place with my buddy at a brokerage doing commercial and residential. I would have never been to the scale and and mm. and leverage as high as I am here at EXP, like not, never in a wow. million years. So That's awesome. Now, what would you say to somebody that is maybe sitting on the fence right now? They're weighing out all their options. They're trying, they hear your story and they're like, yeah, yeah man, like I'm actually, when that process of building out the, the franchise or building out the space, but this seems like, I need to tune in more. I need to listen more. How would you advise someone to maybe even look at this process of what well, we have at EXP? Well, number one, if you really are a true, and I, and I use that very loosely, a true business owner, let's be, let's put that set that stage first. Right. Cause I mean, I think we're likely to say that every realtor thinks they're a business owner and I'm sorry, I'm not here to be mean yeah. or opinionated, but realtors are not business owners, man. Let's just call that what it is. Your broker yeah. is the business owner. You're the employee of it with a really freaking cool ass schedule is what you are. <laughs> right. That's what you are. So if we talk about it from a business perspective, if you're a true business owner, you're open-minded. You're always on the move. You're swivel. You're, you're looking for better things. Like I said, I was always looking for what I need to find. If it took me going and lifting 50 rocks to get it, then I was going to get there. That's what I had to find. So if you're relentless in finding what you're looking for, first, you got to let go of your ego. First, you got to be open-minded. And then if you see it, you got to look about people that use that terminology. I want to work smarter, not harder, right? Everybody and their mom says that. And everybody says, I really want to do that. But nobody really ever shows they're really trying to do that. It's like, you know, it's like the shovel digging a pool on bare ground. The shovel, the trusty shovel has been around for centuries. And it will very easily dig a hole. Not easily. It will dig a hole but it's going to require a lot of effort. Mm. So it works. It's reliable and I can get the job done, but I could go down to river city rentals and go get me an excavator that has a 48 inch bucket on it. And I can have that pool dug in six hours. Mm. Right. That's right. So 
when you're thinking about this, like, all right, I'm running my brokerage. I want to do this stuff. I want to do that stuff. And I have all these like great visionary ideas of what you want to build out. And then you look at EXP and like, hmm, how does that fit in there? Well, it does. It takes every piece of leverage, every piece of scalability, every overhead, every liability, every expense, condenses it, it morphs it, it makes it more tangible for you to actually run a very successful business model. That's us. Yeah. And, and not even just state if you're in one state, but multiple states and multiple countries. You get to have a brokerage within almost everywhere in the world, it feels like. 100%. And there's yeah. that scalability that you don't have that with a place if you were to go open your own brokerage. There's so much more work involved in opening your own spot. It just doesn't make sense anymore. It's almost yeah. like saying, why do you want to get your broker's license? I don't understand yeah. either, but Hey, everybody has their own things they want to do and reach those plateaus. Maybe you just want to get it. So you go to your wall and say, you did it. And I, I respect that. Right. But if you're thinking about, you want to get a broker's license with the intention of really leveraging that and building out something, man, you still must watch VHS videotapes and on your VCR. <laughs> right. I love it. On your 18 inch box TV. It's just what it is. Just being real. It's real talk with Chris and Ross, man. I mean, we got to keep it real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, so that's, my, that's me in a nutshell, buddy. Man, what well, you know, honestly, what I love about your story is just the aspect of, one, you, you really have honed on, hone on the ability to seek every opportunity to its fullest. And just by listening to your story, what I appreciate, appreciate about it the most is your willingness to go all in on yourself and to believe in the others around you, right? Like a lot of your experiences, man, I mean, you have put a lot of trust in believing this cannot only work for me, but I see that it's working in this group effort and you partner with people and you really have built a tremendous uh, career within the real estate world. So just, man, hat is off to you, my friend. And I love, I love, hear, I, I love hearing this too thoroughly. Now when I call you the Japanese cowboy, it's going to have even more meaning, right? So... <laughs> Yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being transparent and really taking the time. I know everyone else out here is probably just enjoying it as much as uh, myself. So thank you. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Well, we're always keeping it real. Um, and I look forward to our episode number 16 next week. Same time, same channel um, with our real talk with Chris and Ross. Thank you for the audience for listening. Have a great See day. You.